following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Luke chapter 10, um, we're going to look at verse 31. <clears throat> I love this passage of scripture. Uh, we were talking in the, in the ushers class um, about the tone. Have you ever gotten to a place in scripture where you're reading scripture and you start thinking to yourself, I would love to have the audio of this to see how it went down, to see kind of the tone in Jesus's voice. It's one thing to receive a text message, right? But the heart behind it and the way it was said, quote unquote, is a whole different context. So we get to the Good Samaritan and it's interesting because uh, I would love to hear the audio part of it. If we go back to verse 25, we'll pick up from where we were at last week uh, and just give you kind of a preface. There's a lawyer. He stands up and he starts to test Jesus. We're in verse 25, Luke chapter 10. He says, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? We know that this guy has an agenda with Jesus. We know he's looking at Jesus and he says, essentially, hey, smart guy, why don't you answer my questions? Because I just want to justify myself. And I love Jesus. He looks back at him and he always answers people uh, who ask him questions with another question. Smart guy. And he says, well, how about you, smart guy? What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the guy answers back. He says, you should love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, um, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he tells him. And he says to him, you answered correctly. If you do this, you get to live. The guy's like, all right, great, you know, absolutely, or whatever. But he, desiring to justify himself, like we just said, he looks to Jesus and he says, okay, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And last week we unpacked that. Your neighbor is anyone who has a need in which you are able to meet. Anyone who has a need in which you are able to meet. And Jesus is going to illustrate this with a story. Jesus replied, here's what happened. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. We know that's a scary road, long road, 3,000 miles or, or something like that. Uh, and he fell among robbers. It was a hard road. It was one where robbers hid and they had the ability to, to kind of ambush people. And if you were listening last week, Jesus is essentially wanting this guy to see that he is the guy who is wounded and down. If we were to study this in depth, we realize that, that Jesus wants the guy to put himself there because people who got beat up on that road were wealthy and we knew that lawyers in the day sat high in the council of people. They had great wealth. And so essentially what Jesus is saying, that there was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, departed, leaving him half dead. That's one truth. The second truth that we know in that passage of scripture is that he's also talking about himself. Jesus, being the Messiah, is talking about himself here because he's saying, this is exactly what the Jews are going to do to me. They're going to reject me. They're going to beat me. They're going to go through all this stuff with me, and they are going to leave me for dead. I'm going to die, but I'm not going to stay dead. I'm going to rise again on the third day, and then I'm going to walk around for a little bit, proving that I rose from the dead. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to rule and reign, in which he is still ruling and reigning today. Amen? Okay. So, <clears throat> 31. Now, by chance, he sees a couple of guys. 
there was a priest who was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by to the other side. 32. So likewise, a Levite, when he came down to the place, he saw him pass by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Say, aw, you guys are so nice. He went to him and bound him up and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. I always think that's an awkward statement, right? He bounds up the guy and then he starts dumping oil on him. That's awkward. Can you imagine if that happened to you? Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay when you come, when I come back. 36, <clears throat> which of the three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Asking him another question. And he said to the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, okay, so you go and you do likewise. Okay, we need to unpack this, all right? We need to unpack what this looks like and we need to unpack how we're gonna live this out. The first thing that you need to know before we get into any points is what is happening and we need to go back of who is Luke and what is he trying to accomplish Talked about a little bit of this last week, but Luke is the only gospel writer who states the point of the book. He is going to show you what he's trying to do by writing this account for a man who wants to know who is Jesus. And this shows us very pointedly who Jesus is. Remember, there's two uh, essentially meanings from this. The, the, the top meaning, which would be, this is a good Samaritan story on how we are to live, but also there's a bottom story here that Jesus is beat up and rejected. And Luke chapter one tells us that I'm going to write this account, and this story is parallel to this, to know the certainty of the things Jesus taught in an orderly account. And this is one of Jesus's teachings to the people. In the story of the Good Samaritan, we see that Jesus is continuing to teach not only the people who are present in which he's talking to directly, but there's a crowd gathered around him where they're looking at him and they are kind of going like this. They're like, hmm, this has some really good truth for us to live like. So he starts to unpack this story to show our neighbors and how we are to act. And, and what we're looking at this morning is, I want you to not be like that guy. If you follow the NFL at all, there's a great segment and it gets to the, to the heart of the issue. And they watch some of these NFL players who do dumb stuff and the guys who they're announcers, they go, come on, man. I love it. It cracks me up. It's the only part of like commentaries of football that I, I, just, I just eat up. And when I read the Good Samaritan story, I'm like, come on, man. Try it with me. Say, come on, man. Okay, so two guys you don't want to be like or come on, man. And one guy that you do want to be like. Let's unpack this. Luke chapter 10, verse 31, the first guy. Do not be the busy Christian. Do not be the busy Christian. Where are we getting this from, Jordan? What are you talking about? I thought this guy was a priest. Hold on a second. Luke, Luke 10, verse 31. Let's read it. The very first part of it. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. A priest. The first guy comes to a priest. You know that in the New Testament, Jesus calls you priests. Did you get that? He says, you are a royal priesthood. 
First Peter 2, 9, your royal priesthood, you, priest, you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and Messiah, you are not only saved, you are a priesthood to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we could put ourselves in this situation. We know first thing is, and these aren't in your outline, but he's traveling fast. How many of you guys travel fast? Man, I like to travel fast right? He's traveling very, very quickly. The priest was probably riding. If we were to kind of hack into this story, we would see that he's riding. We would see that he's an upper class of society. The poor people walk. The priests get a ride. Now, some of us would look at that and we would say, Jordan, hold on a second. You don't know what bank about. I'm broke. No, 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 no. In the context of the world, we are rich, 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 rich. And so this guy is probably riding. We know that he's traveling quickly. He has some place to be like us. Second thing, we see that he's busy. How many of you guys are busy? Standard answer, right? How you doing? I'm? Come on, man. He's busy. We would imply that he is super busy. There's a hundred things on his mind and he moves to the other side of the street to make time. Been there, done that. He sees a guy and he thinks to himself, if I could just go over to the other side of the road, I won't see him because I'm too busy. I'm checking my phone. I got a bunch of lists to do. If I don't get to Meyer and get back from Meyer, my kids are going to go hungry. My husband's going to be absolutely irate. Things are going to go wrong. I just, I just don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Okay, so he's traveling fast. He's busy. Third thing is he's educated. He knows I mean, this guy and me, we line up, man. He is an educated man. He is no doubt thinking about rules and regulations instead of helping the poor guy out. Now, we can relate because we've been educated. We grew up in the church. Some of us did. Some of us didn't grow up in the church and we kind of see how Christians act and we're like, well, do I be like that? Do I not be like that? And we see this guy and he is no doubt thinking about what would happen if he were to help this man. And some of you guys probably never thought about this, but check this out. He knows if he touches the person lying there and that person is not Jewish, follow me here for a second, he is unclean as a priest. If he's unclean as a priest, that means he can't collect tithes. That means that he can't distribute to the poor. That means that he can't even eat or his family could eat. According to the Old Testament law, he would have to remove himself from the community for a season. It is a big deal to help this person out. It would ruin his day. It would ruin his week. You ever been there? If I help this person out, it's going to ruin my schedule it's going to ruin my motion and it's going to ruin my education. And so he sits there and not only this, we realize that he wouldn't just suffer the consequences, but his family would suffer the consequences. There's big time stakes for this guy. It's funny. Uh, this just happened to me the other day and I was coming to, to the church of all things and we live out in Bremen and uh, I'm coming down third road and I turn uh, by the missionary church and I come down and I see this older guy. He's probably, I don't know, maybe 80, 85. That's 
who am I kidding? He's like 32. <laughs> and he's got a cane in his hand and he's walking down the road and it's trash day. And so he's got a trash can and he flips the trash can over and I can see him because I'm coming down the road. And he, and he puts his cane in the trash can. He flips it back up. All the older people are like, that's ingenious. And he pushes with the, with the trash can, his cane. He's going about the, the, the speed of a slug. I mean, he is just, and, and I'm sitting there. Now here, tra- track with me for a second. Here's what I'm doing. I had already studied for this message. I'm thinking to myself, as I'm seeing this guy, I go, I'm traveling fast, okay? Two, I'm busy. I got a thousand. I mean, there's people that I need to meet with. People need me in this world. And I'm an educated man, so I'm like, I'm like, I'm justifying this in my head. He will make it. He has nothing to do today, Jordan. He just has to push the trash can to the end of the road. He gets to go back and watch Matlock. Things will be fine. <laughs> so I literally, okay, I pass him. He can't wave at me because he's doing his thing. And instantaneously, I think to myself, I go, you just studied for the sermon. Arrgh! What's that? So I backtrack a little bit, you know, I backed up in the middle of, of the road, a busy street or whatnot. And I look at him, I go, you need some help? And God's like, are you blind? Get out of your car and go help this man. <laughs> so I, I like, I'll get it, get him back his cane. I'm, you know, I push it all the way down. I was like, where does it go? This guy, his, his driveway was like all the way from here to Canada. And he keeps telling me to push it farther down. I'm like, I gotta go, I got places to go. Never got into like a spiritual conversation with him. He just said, thank you. And I moved on my way and I was like, hmm, I'm using that as a sermon illustration. So there goes my crown in heaven. (laughs) But all that to say, I understand it. We should understand it. We are, we have been this guy. We're traveling fast, we're busy and we're educated. So how does that, how does that break down? How do I not be that guy? Well, let me give you guys just a couple of really kind of a dumb moments that were in a dumb moment for me. First thing, slow down, slow down. We are so busy that we miss people in need. The problem is I'm in a hurry, God's not. And I look at this and I realize that God says, hey, Jordan, Be careful not to be in such a hurry that you miss meeting one great need. Open your eyes to the appointments that I have laid out before you and not the appointments necessarily that you have laid out. Open your eyes. Slow down. Number two, be flexible. Be flexible. Slow down, be flexible. Be careful not to justify what needs to be done because of what will happen to you in the future. Do we believe that God is a big God? Do we believe that God's a strong God? Do we believe that God will take care of our next appointment? Absolutely. And so I look at this and I realize that there's times where I'm like, I can't help no old guy take his trash can all the way down the road. I got somebody down the street that needs me, God. And he looks at me and he says, really? Five minutes? You can't give me five minutes? If we cannot give five minutes over to the Lord, there's something wrong. 
I love what it says in Philippians 4.19. It says, do not worry about tomorrow. That's Matthew 6, because Philippians 4.19, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. And here's where I'm landing in my study with this priest. Do I really believe that God will take care of my every need? I'm not sure. I think, I think that I can take care of my every need, but do I believe that God can take care of my every need? I don't know. That's where faith comes in. Do we wake up in the morning and give God our schedules? Lord, here's what I have planned. I want to be flexible and I want to slow down to make sure that you're in it as well. Second guy, what happens? Luke chapter 10, verse 31. So here's what happens, okay? Now by chance, the priest was going down the road. We saw that. We saw him. He passed by the other side of the road. So likewise, a Levite, when he comes to the place, he sees him and he passes by the other side of the road. Love it. More is caught than taught, amen? Like, no doubt this guy saw him. He's like, ah, that guy did it. I'm doing it. Pastor Jordan passed up the guy taking his trash down the road. I don't have to do it either. Wouldn't that be cool? Be careful with that one, all right? How do we know this? Levites were associate pastors, essentially. If we were to unpack scriptures, we see that they assisted the priests in the temple. They were middle class, okay, And he looked ahead probably, saw the priest pass and thought he should do the same. Well, if the pastor didn't do it, then I'm not doing it. And so we see a couple things about him. These aren't in your outline. First of all, we see that he's afraid too as well. Most of the time we are afraid to meet people's needs because we don't think that we can meet that need. He is genuinely afraid. If the priest doesn't help, then this might be a dangerous situation. This is his mentor, Okay, take it out of Pastor Jordan's role. Maybe it's your best friend. You saw your best friend down the road and there's a situation and you're thinking to yourself, man, we're in downtown South Bend. There's no way I'm jumping out of my car. I saw my friend Jill and she's up there and Jill knows what she's doing. And so I'm not gonna do what Jill does or I am gonna do what Jill does, whatever. And you sit there and you think to yourself, we watch people instead of make our own decisions for ourselves based off the leading of the Holy Spirit. So second thing we see is not only that he's afraid, he's insecure. Track with me here. What would people say if he helped the man out? And what if somebody reported what he did? He's in the same boat as the priest. He's in the same boat. What are people going to say about me? I think about that all the time. Do you? What are people going to say? I mean, if I help, I was thinking to myself, what are people going to say? Well, you guys would be like, eh, that makes sense. Jordan's helping some old guy down the road or whatever, you know, but what are people going to say? What are they going to do? You know, the thing I was thinking about, what would people say if I didn't? What if there was somebody behind me who watched me pass by that guy? What if it was somebody who was curious about what it was like to be a Christian? And what if they had heard about Community Gospel Church? And what would they say if they watched me drive right by them? You ever thought about that? How many people watch us miss open opportunities? And they think to themselves, well, they didn't do it. I'm not doing it. And so this guy is just at a point where he is watching somebody. Well, how do we apply that, okay? How do we not be this guy? I mean, come on, man. How do we not do this? First of all, we have to be strong in our faith, not secure in somebody else's. Be strong in 
your faith, not somebody else's. And so this, when we look at it, we cannot be fearful followers. That's your point number two. You cannot be fearful followers. We can't look at it that way. We have to be strong in our faith. What does that look like? Well, fear must become a foreign concept to the Christian. God tells us over and over again, 365 times in the Bible, he says, do not be afraid. 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 Make your faith your own. God says, I have come to dwell in you. And so some of us look at this and we realize that we must be strong in our faith, not strong in Jordan's faith, not strong in this guy's faith, not strong in that guy's faith. We need to be strong in our faith. Did you know what Isaiah says? Isaiah 41. It says, for I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand, who says to you, do not fear. I will help you. I will help you. That's encouraging. Don't be afraid, Jordan. Don't be afraid of what people will say. Don't be afraid of what people will do. I will be with you. Same with you this morning. What are you facing right now? What are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? Do you know that the God of heaven looks at you and says, don't be afraid. I'm here with you. I will help you. Sometimes the biggest thing that God wants us to do is put one foot forward in faith. That's obedience. I remember John Andrews was sitting up here just a couple weeks ago. And he said, I said, John, what's the one thing that we can do? What's one thing that we can do as Christians? He says, be obedient. How do we lose our fear as followers of Jesus Christ? We become obedient. I'm gonna go back to the Bible study we were having this morning with the older gentleman. And there's a passage uh, that they were studying. And Jesus just tells people's answers. He just tells them answers. The people are irate and they look at him and they say, hey, Jesus, I can't believe you would do this. Who are you? Who do you think you are? And Jesus always gives an answer for what he believes and he tells it in a way that's obedient to God the Father. And I know if I could hear the audio, he says it with such a soft, caring tone. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Do you see what's been written? Isaiah 41. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Now, there's some wisdom in this, okay? So if we get into a spot, we're in a situation where we're afraid to help, we live in such a day and age where we can phone a friend, right? Hey, there's a guy on the side of the road. I need to go help this guy. I thought I was pretty safe with the older guy walking his trash can down the road. I mean, who knows? I might've needed some help, but... We look at it in situations and we can phone a friend. That's Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 20. Go get somebody else where two or more are gathered. I will help you. Secondly, we need to be secure in our savior. We need to be secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ. The more we're obedient, the more fear goes away. The more fear goes away, the more secure we become in the relationship with Jesus Christ. I love this quote. It says, we do care. We really care about what others think of Christ. Their salvation hangs on what they think of Christ and our lives are to display his truth and his beauty. So we must care what others think of us as a representative of Jesus Christ. Love demands this, but we ought not to care much what others think of us for our own sake. Our concern is ultimately for Christ's reputation and not our own. 
that ascent falls not on our value or excellence or virtue or power or wisdom. It falls on whether Christ is honored by the way people think of us. In other words, what he's saying is we need to live in such a way that we are secure in our relationship with Jesus Christ, so much so that we are presenting the truth to people, letting them wrestle with it, not fearful or afraid, but always giving an answer for the things that we have, not fearful followers of Jesus Christ. So if we see people in need, who is my neighbor? Your neighbor is anybody who is in need that you can meet. And as a representative of Jesus Christ, meet that need this week. Meet it well. Exceed expectation. Third thing, as we get to the Good Samaritan. Number three, look at this in Luke chapter 10, verse 32. Here it comes. <clears throat> It says, so likewise, a Levite, this is 32, uh, when he came by to the place, he saw him, he passed by the other side. Your uh, outline should say 33, excuse me. Um, but he says, but then a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had what? What's the word? Compassion. You should circle that in your Bible. He has compassion on him. Jesus has compassion on us. God has compassion on us. Christian, do you understand that God says you should love your neighbor as yourself because you have received compassion from Jesus Christ? Therefore, go and do the same. We cannot just be intakers of the truth, but we must be people who exhibit and push out the truth that we know. And that is compassion. This is the Good Samaritan. Look what happens here. Jews and Samaritans' relationships were extremely rough. Hated each other. Hated each other. And we look at this and we realize that there's bad blood in the past. Oh, now he's speaking the truth to me, right? Now he's coming through. I mean, there's some bad blood in the past. Things have gone wrong. We've had some problems. We've had some issues. And therefore, I will never talk to that person because there's been issues between us. And according to the Mishnah, which was the oral law, or was a commentary on the first five books of the Bible, it says that he that eats the bread of the Samaritans is like to one that eats the flesh of swine. So, so the Samaritan going to this guy's aid is essentially what he's saying is, hey man, here's, here's what's going on. The flesh, the one that eats the flesh of swine is about to meet your needs. It's a good thing that this guy's passed out, right? Because here's the flip side of the coin. I want you to get this. We have been in need sometimes and we've rejected it, haven't we? Because of the person who's offering to extend their hand. I've been that person who's needed some help and I've been too prideful to say, yes, please help me here in this situation because of some bad blood in the past. And so we see some things that happen here. First thing is, this is in your outline, but he's, he's no different than the others. Track with this. He has the same law that binds the Samaritans as the Jews. He's not a Gentile. He's Jewish. He has the same law structure set up that the priest has and that the Levite has. They're the same. He's in the same boat. Now, his may be a step lower, but they're in the same boat. He's no different than the two guys who just passed him. Sometimes we look at it and go, oh, he's way different. No, 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 no. They're the same people. They're all from Bremen. Okay. <laughs> What's that say about people from Bremen? I don't know. Two, he's at risk. He's at risk. 
The Samaritan risks corruption. He helps the man when the priest and the Levite failed, which means he could get caught up in some religious mess. Did you track with that? Like, here's the deal. If they travel to the next town and the priest is there and the Levite is there and they see that he helps, the priest could essentially like rain down on him. He's a part of the court system. He could look at that guy and say, hey, you think you're better than us? Then you get to go to jail. I mean, he risks everything helping this guy. He risks his family. He risks himself. He risks his children. He risks everything here. He could lose his whole life by helping this guy. Track with that, Christian. We could lose our whole life helping somebody who's in need. We could lose it. And here we see that he still chooses to love his neighbor. I love the quote. It says, irrational minds seeking a focus for their retaliation do not make rational judgments, especially when the person involved is from a hated minority or community. That's huge. So what, what, what do we do? Because we need to be like this guy. How do we be like this guy? When I read this passage of scripture, I look at it, I go, man, how do I be like the Samaritan? Let me give you a couple of things. First thing, okay? You got to trust Christ. You got to have a relationship with faith. You have to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's Romans 10, 9. You have to trust that Jesus Christ is not only the Messiah, he is the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was the God in the beginning. Jesus was in the God of the beginning. Genesis chapter one, two, and three. Let us make man in our image. There are people who are present there. God, the father, Jesus, the son, and the Holy Spirit. Three gods in one, okay? One God in three. Sorry, messed that up. One God, three. God the Father poured out as an offering. Jesus Christ being his son took human form, human flesh, came to die on the cross for our sins so that we may have life and life eternal through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to make that decision today. That's what binds our community together. There are some people here, we have some crazy different personalities. I mean, we we're just, just complete opposites, but we have one thing in common, and that is we have the power of Jesus Christ living inside of us through the Holy Spirit who is present, okay? You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have anything. Two, we must be willing to lose it all. I realize this as a pastor that this is becoming even more apparent every single day that when we stand up and we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are at risk. It's becoming more and more and more apparent that we are at risk when we preach the truth. The Samaritan gives the man all he has. You realize two denarii is two days wages. He gives him two full days of his life, essentially. He worked for two days so that this guy could be taken care of. The Samaritan has no way of ensuring the return of the money, but he doesn't expect there to be a return. Sometimes we only invest in things that we get a return on. And this guy invests money in something he may not ever get a return on. He says, here, you can have this. You need this more than I do. Same as a parallel in the book of Acts. The Christians gave to others who were in need. What do you need? What do, you, what do I have that you uh, can use? How do we know this? Jesus does this for us. He loves us unconditionally. He dies on the cross. He expects nothing in return except obedience. 
Who is the neighbor who is in need this week in which you need to meet, okay? And not expect anything in return, simply be obedient. Who is it? Who is it? Who's the person who you know, who has a great need, you can meet, just need to be obedient. That's all the story is about, that he's obedient. He doesn't know any other way to live. He's obedient. It's totally foreign to him to pass by the man who's in need. Look at John chapter 15. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. 2 Corinthians 10, 15. We demolish arguments and every, pre, uh, uh, excuse me, every uh, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It's my prayer for you this week. You would take every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something. People are going to look at you funny. They're going to go, that guy's weird. Why would he stop for Harold pushing the, pushing the thing down the road? I mean, that's ridiculous. I just ruined that guy's whole day. I mean, that was his plans. That's all he had in store for the day. And so we look at this and we realize that some things are small and some things are big. Let me ask you guys a question. Man, I've been wrestling with this stuff as we close. <clears throat> These are just some questions that I've been, I've been wrestling with. First thing, are we busy Christians missing people because we're traveling too fast? We're far too educated, not educated in regards to degrees, educated in regards to preaching and teaching, Sunday school, stuff like that, that we're missing our brothers and sisters in need. I mean, would you just wrestle with that for me for just a second? I mean, are we too busy? I'm in a hurry. God's really not. Two, are we blind followers who are insecure and afraid of what will happen when we help people out? Are we blind followers, insecure and afraid of what will happen if and when we help somebody out? Man, I I think that one's a bigger one than the first one. Or are we good Samaritans willing to lose it all for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Am I willing to, as they say, roll the dice? I don't know. Still wrestling with it. I think the answer to that question, let me tell you something, church. I think the answer to that question comes when you see your neighbor who is in need. I don't think we can answer those questions until it is right in front of our face. And so let me pray for that moment that you will have this week. Heavenly Father, you're gonna put people in our path this morning, or the, oh, yeah, could be this morning, could be this afternoon, could be this evening, could be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It could be any of those times. It might be two o'clock in the afternoon. It could be 2 a.m. But you're gonna put people in front of us. And I want you churches as we're spending time in prayer here to just think about that. In the quiet of the sanctuary, what will you do when you see somebody in need? What will you do this week when you see somebody in need?
God, help us not to be so busy. We're blind to the needs right in front of our face. God, help us to slow down. God, help us not to be fearful followers of your son, Jesus. But to be as bold as lions when people come in front of us that have a need in which we can meet. Whether that's a listening ear, a financial contribution, whether that's silence and just sitting with them. We know, God, we've seen that happen just this week in, in crises with our families who are present even here today, that they're experiencing far greater things than we could ever imagine. And sometimes, God, we just need to sit with them and just let them know that you love them and you care for them and you just, you want them to know that you're here, that you're present. Help us not to be afraid, but help us to run after you. Let's be secure in our salvation that comes from Jesus Christ, that we can be more than conquerors in him who gives us life. Let us be good Samaritans this week. Let us just reach out and touch people. Let us just extend our hand to those who have a need. Help us not to be prideful. Help us not to be arrogant. Help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. May we love you with all our heart, with all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. And may it pour out so much into our hands and feet that we love those people who have needs in front of our face. All God's people said, amen. Make it happen, church. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.